Well, hi there. This is going to be a little bit different podcast, but it's something God's just put on my heart that uh, I really sense we need to share. This is really important. And so I'm going to share the screen so that you can see what it is that uh, we're doing here. American churches need for repentance. You say, really? Uh, yeah, really. We uh, have a real need for repentance. And it deals with the area of abortion. Kind of interesting. You know, I've I've been a pro-life person for ever since Roe v. Wade came out in 1973. Again, as an attorney, former judge, I just thought, are you kidding me? They're telling us that the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment, which says, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. That was passed in 1868. Guess what that means, folks? A woman has a right to abortion. What? Yeah, Supreme Court just made it up. And we had Roe v. Wade, and we got legalized abortion. But here's the, the thing that really is very discouraging. So the Dobbs decision came along, reversed Roe v. Wade, which should have been reversed long before. You would think that abortions would then decline. Instead, what do we see? The abortions are on the increase. This is a recent uh, Wall Street Journal article from October 24. Short time ago, Roe v. Wade is gone, but abortions are on the rise. So we ask the questions, why might abortions be increasing in America? Why did, and then when they take a polls of people, they're generally supportive of having legal abortion. They say, well, don't they get it that abortion intentionally takes the life of a living little boy or girl in the womb? We got to look deeper. <clears throat> they, they get it in their mind, but they feel there's another issue that's more important. And that's why we, we just, we have to have this ability to have abortions. <clears throat> So this is an earlier article in the Wall Street Journal. They were quoting from <clears throat> the perspectives on sexual and reproductive health. They say, why do women have abortions? We can naively think, well, they want to kill a bit. No, that's the result. But basically, if you look at this data, and we won't go through every little bit, but basically 90 plus percent uh, deals with things like, well, I'm not old enough, mature enough. I'm not ready to have another child. We already, we've got enough kids um, it'll interfere with my education, my career. I, I'm unmarried. I don't want to be a single mom. Uh, I'm just not ready. Again, maybe uh, less than 10% deal with medical issues. And again, if if a, if a mother is, you know, if, if by giving birth, the mother's going to die, again, we make a choice. And I, I'm not against that. Uh, but that is such a small percentage. Most of them are just... You know, I just, I don't, I wanted, you know, the sex was okay. It was just, I'm not, I don't want a child. I'm not ready, blah, blah, blah. And then I asked this question, have you, have I ever had these sort of feelings when deciding whether to have another child? Have we often come to the same conclusions, those who, who abort decide? I, did, I have. We had four wonderful daughters, and I knew that we couldn't afford anymore, couldn't fit anymore in our car or our house. They were wonderful daughters. Um, and I wanted an airplane, just to be honest with you. Maybe I could think we could afford someday a six-passenger airplane. Nothing bigger. But then God 
got a hold of me basically indirectly through Marcia's prayer. <laughs> Dear Marcia, my wife, Lord, that's enough kids, right? But if you want us to have more, change Randy. And God began to mess with me. We're going to talk about that. And uh, while we wouldn't abort, you know, we're pro-life. We take specific steps to ensure our sexual activity does not produce a child we're going to need to bear and raise. Hmm. So we have the same motivation of the people that have abortion. Same result. No child. And these and remember, children are created in the image of God with the, the ability to influence life on this planet and then live forever. This is a huge decision. But we think, oh, you know, I can't afford it. You know, I got my career, blah, blah, blah. Anyhow, same motivation, same result, no child produced, simply a different means. We prevent pregnancy. They Once they're pregnant, they end it. And we say, oh, they're so terrible. But I suggest to you, you think God's in prayer. Well, look at this. Look at this chart. <laughs> hatred of a brother, according to Matthew 5. Uh, hatred of a brother, Jesus says, that's equivalent of murder. He says, if you lust as a man after a woman, that's the, the moral equivalent of adultery. And I'm going to suggest to you something that's going to be hard to take, but I'm going to shoot straight. The desire to have sex and then deliberately taking steps to avoid the, the hassle of bearing and raising the child that might be produced by that sexual activity is the very attitude that feeds abortion. And almost all Americans agree with that we have to have the ability to do that. So no wonder abortions are on the rise in America. No wonder people are pro-abortion. They said, look, you shouldn't have a child you don't want. Unwanted children, are, are, are that's awful. It's, it's, it's better just to get rid of them in some fashion, not to produce them, get rid of whatever. <clears throat> so even though Roe is gone, the desire to control this area so that I can have my peace and quiet, <clears throat> so I can hold on to my resources, so my time. So we totally believe there needs to be a wall between sex and the production of children. That's an inherent right we feel we have. We've absorbed this. Where do we get that from? Did that come from God? Well, let's talk about it because we Christians have overwhelmed. I've embraced this, but I tell you, I have had a pro-abortion attitude. I've been pro-life, but when I decide that I've got to control this area and separate and move, I suggest to you and, you know, push back. But I'm totally convinced that's what feeds the pro-abortion mentality in America. <clears throat> so people say, but, so, but we have overpopulation. We, we got to deal with this thing. Well, let me just, this is, is going to blow you away. <clears throat> in 1800, the average woman, average woman in America had seven kids. Some had 12, 15, 19 some couldn't have kids. I mean, that's totally up to God. But the average was seven. Well, at the same time, uh, there, there be, this is where the birth control movement started. Believe it or not, it did not start with, with Margaret Sanger in the 1930s or 40s, whenever she started doing her thing. It really started in the 1700s. And this is one of the, the uh, forerunners of, of the birth restriction or birth limitation movement. Thomas Robert Malthus. 
He wrote a bestseller, an essay on the principle of population. He said, oh, mathematically, we're going to run into trouble. We're going to, we produce children in, in, a, in a multiplication form, but our ability to produce food is more addition. And we're just going to run out of food, people. We're going to, we're going to produce overpopulation. So um, he developed these birth limitation efforts, and they had all these efforts together, whether it's birth control, infanticide, abortion. They were all in the same pack. We, we've separated birth control from the others, but it wasn't that way when it started. There's a guy, I, wrote, I read a book, got it at Calvin's um, College, now Calvin University. He was documenting the history of Peter Fryer, the birth control movement, you could tell by what he said in the book, he's very supportive of birth control and, and population limitation. He says, the birth control movement throughout the 19th century was a part of a vigorous challenge to Christianity and Christian notions of sin. We don't know this. You got to see this history that all these birth control pioneers were anti-God. They said, we're going to get back at God. God wants to produce children. We don't want children. <clears throat> Just look, I got a couple of charts here. Just look on the far right. I mean, you can see on the left, the people, they started in the 1700s. But look at their religious orientation on the far right. Atheist, atheist, agnostic, early became a spiritist, philosophical materialism, natural religion designed to oppose Christianity, atheistic. These are all the pine. You don't find one Christian in this area. Second page. Christian, then she turned atheistic, then she went into the occult. Atheistic, dabbled in occult. Marie Stopes, that was Margaret Sanger, by the way, and uh, Marie Stopes, mystic, claims God told her in a vision about proper birth control devices, which did not unnaturally block the divinely inspired mixing of coital fluids. And then Paul Ehrlich, who wrote The Population Bomb, uh, that was uh, just a bestseller in the 1960s. He was agnostic, probably a, a pantheist. So that's those are the folks that uh, you know, gave us this thing. So Despite being atheists and anti-God people who pushed the anti-child birth limitation attitude, eventually we Christians embraced it as well. Little by little in the early 1900s. Catholics, of course, held out a bit longer. They had bigger families, even when I was growing up. But eventually they've given in. And so the average number of children, remember in 1800 it was seven per female, since 1975, it's been below the 2.1 babies per female that's needed just to break even, to have zero population growth. It takes 2.1, one to replace the guy, one to replace the woman, and 0.1 for those that, that can't have kids or don't get married. And it's been below that level. So we are moving in the direction of underpopulation. You say, what? Oh, yeah. In fact, this is the total fertility. This is the average number of Babies per female. You can see back in 1800, it was seven. You can see the baby boom after World War II kind of goes up a little bit, over three, three and a half. But uh, since uh, 1975, it's been below uh, replacement level. And actually, this last year, I think it was 1.6, something like that in America. Some other countries like Japan is losing population. China's losing population. They're not producing. In fact, China had the one child per family policy. Now they're trying to get people to have three. It isn't working. You can't pay people enough money to go through the pain of having a kid. And that's part of the deal. It, it's a sacrifice to be a parent. But it's one that God wants us to make. 
but we've bought into what our culture says. All right. So isn't dangerous population explosion imminent? Oh man, I could we could go on forever. For decades, we've been told by so much Club of Rome and so on. But here's the empty planet. Look at that bottom uh, quote. The great defining event of the 21st century will occur in three decades, give or take, when the global population, not just Japan and China and some other nations, the global population starts to decline. Once that decline begins, it will never end. Yes, we have underpopulation. I can show you articles in the Wall Street Journal over the last years just showing we don't have enough workers. For the elder, we got elderly. In fact, the next charts will quickly show you that sort of thing. Okay, here's some of these books that uh, we have, Birth, Dearth, and Demographic Winter, and so on. Uh, we'll get to the, the specifics on the aging in just one second. How crowded is our world? This is crazy. Eight billion people in our world say, oh, it's terrible. We're just so crowded. <laughs> you could give each person in the world 1,000 square feet to live on and Everyone in the world, everyone, man, woman, baby, would all fit in the state of Texas. Not exactly crowded elbow to elbow, my friends. And then the median age going up, uh, 2017 versus 2010, the red colors just show the median age going up, dependency. But this shows it in more specifics. The fertility rates on the left, comparing China with the United States, uh, the older ones are down at the bottom. So China actually had six babies per female back in the 1950s. We had 3.31, but you can see we're basically parallel uh, closer to 2020, 169 for China, 178 for U.S. But look at the median age. That means that the age at which 50% are higher, 50% are lower than this median age. It's never been higher than it is in America today. And China and America are comparable, about 38 years of age. Whereas back in 1950, their median age was 23, ours was 30. Um, but again, it's never been higher. What it means is we have, we're going to have this big group of baby boomers, of which I am one, up in their senior years, insufficient number of people working to provide the Medicare, the Social Security, and so on to keep us alive. The pressure to, to put to death senior citizens is going to grow. Excuse me, sir, you're, you're rather sick. We, we really don't have the funds to take care of your heart issue or this issue or that. Would you just take this pill? It won't hurt much and bye-bye. Thank you. That pressure is going to grow. All right. So the spiritual health in America, my friends, is supposed to start, of course, with us, <clears throat> Christ's followers. We can't expect non-Christians to behave like Christians. We are supposed to be the salt that preserves our land, the light that shows the way. We haven't been. We've, we've more been copiers of our culture. We've inherited, we've embraced uh, the, the need, the desire for comfort and me, me, me. That's not what Jesus wants. He, he came from heaven to give, and he wants us to follow that example in every way. <clears throat> you know, this famous uh, scripture from Second Chronicles 7, 13, and 14, if I shut up the heavens so there's no rain, command the locusts to devour land or send pestilence among my people. If my people called by, that's us, humble themselves. We've got to humble ourselves, pray, seek our faith, turn from our wicked ways. In this area, in many other areas too, but I'm, I'm talking today about this one, children, making Jesus the Lord of our family size. But, but, that's scary. Yeah, it's scary to obey. 
but he wants us to obey and take that step of obedience. Then if we do these things, he'll hear from heaven, forgive our sin, and then that's when he's going to heal our land. This is Pastor Erwin Lutzer, friend. I've interviewed him, and anyhow, he said this. He said, if we were few in number, we could evade the blame, but there are tens of thousands of evangelical congregations, several million born-again believers in America, yet we continue to lose crucial battles. I mean, the same-sex marriage thing, for example, abortion, legal abortion, and now ongoing legal, in many places, abortion in America. He says, perhaps the church doesn't suffer for the sins of the world as much as the world suffers for the sins of the church. Folks, it's got to start with me and you. That's where revival has to start. All right, conclusions. Number one, Jesus is to be the Lord of every area of our lives, including our bodies. From Romans 12, 1 and 2, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. We have. He said, don't. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. We've done it but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. Two, God's command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth has never been revoked as a byproduct that produces economic growth. A large population is a king's glory, but without subjects, the prince is ruined from Proverbs 14, 28. And Professor Joseph Schumpeter from Harvard, again, he taught many years ago, but he said wealth grows from a growing population. Number three, marriage is a big deal and hopefully will result in the blessed event of children for parents whose health allows. Uh, Psalm 127, children are heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. This actually is one of the verses that got to me so that we decided to give this area to God. Now we have 12 awesome kids. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is a man whose quiver is full. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife, he says in Malachi? In body and spirit, you are his. And why does what does he want? Godly children from your union. Why don't we believe this? Do not deprive each other, he says in 1 Corinthians 7. He wants us to continue to have a physical relationship with each other. Number four, biology and chance do not make babies. Come on, folks. It's not biology. God makes it. I love these scriptures. He decides the gender, personality, timing. For you created, says David to God in Psalm 139, you created my inmost being. You, God, knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Other scriptures, Jeremiah, before God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I pointed you as a prophet to the nations. Job, did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form both of us within our mothers, referring to someone he's talking about? And finally, in Galatians, even in the New Testament, Paul says, but when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, he called Paul. But he set Paul apart in, from his mother's womb. Come on. This is what God wants to, he wants to create children through you that impact this world and then live forever. Why do we, why do we buy the world's perspectives in this area? Number five, apart from God, man seeks fulfillment in sex and other pleasures, but he'll never be satisfied with them. 
Our real joy comes as we worship, abide, and seek to obey him. And so God gives, he says, okay, have it your way. Gave them over from Romans 1. Number six, mankind's biggest threats are not climate change nor asteroids, <clears throat> but his own sin. This is an amazing passage from Isaiah 24. The earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. The heavens languish with the earth. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws, violated the statutes, and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Therefore, earth's inhabitants are burned up and very few are left. Not because of climate change, not asteroids, disobedience, especially in this area. Number seven, God has promised to meet our needs for food and clothing. But if we have another child, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. I could spend the next hour talking about how he's met our needs for college tuition and big houses and food and mortgage payments. And oh, he, he's not running out of money. Come on. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 19. And just one example, we were on uh, with focus on the family and uh, to be quick, this is the Bontrager family. They're going to have just a couple of kids. They heard Marsha and me share. <laughs> they got a few more than a couple right now. Do they have smiles? Yeah, they have a few smiles there. And they, of course, became the Bontrager family singers, travel the country. They are so grateful that they obeyed. So again, let's be real. A lot of you listening to this, you're past the point of being able to bear more kids. I get it. But it's not too late to seek God's forgiveness like I sought. And by the grace of God, it was long enough so that we were able to give that area to God and we had more kids. But you're, you may be past that. But at least you can say, Lord, forgive me for my pro-sex anti-child attitude that I absorb from our secular culture. Forgive me. And then you can encourage your children and grandchildren, your, your fellow believers that are younger than you, to give this area to God. And then who knows? Maybe if we confess our sins in this area, begin to love and desire the children God seeks to produce in and through us, maybe this will be the beginning of the actual end of legal abortion in America and get God's healing to our country. I pray so. So let's close with a little picture of Jesus. Jesus loves children. We don't all the time, do we, folks? People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. The disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he didn't get mad at his disciples too often. But this time he was, he was indignant. Come on, guys. He said, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. And then he took these children. He's on his way to the cross, but he took time to take the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. Oh, I love that. <laughs> In modern day picture, this is Jesus. He loves kids. And, uh, you know, to help you, your children, grandchildren find truth, we got some resources, Missing Our Children, free download at grandawakening.org. Look for Missing Our Children. And then a book available, you can Google it, Sweeter by the Dozen. It's about 200 pages long, and it deals more, more depth with the population thing, the abortion thing, and so on and making Jesus the Lord of our family size. And he, he ought to be he's supposed to be Lord of every area. Why not this area? Well, let me just close in prayer. God, this is an area that you have convicted me 
And I pray you convict the church of America uh, in the same area. Again, is this the only area that we have bought into the culture? No, but it's an important area. And so I pray that you would forgive us, God. Forgive us, God. Be Lord of this area. Yes, scary, but you promised to meet our need. And and, uh, why should we withhold when you gave everything to us? Why should we hold back? We need to be totally surrendered in this and every area. So forgive our sin and heal our land, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.